You can find more information, photos, and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes we talk about on this podcast by heading to the show notes or at sarahraven.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven, and at the moment, a series of interesting plants, people, guests. Today, it's Gary Newell, who is our senior horticultural buyer, and he's actually joined me on the podcast. This is his third time, in fact, because he is a font of plant knowledge. And I love the fact that Gary's young and I'm old, and so he comes from a slightly different standpoint to me, and he is someone who is really passionate, as am I, about sustainability and biodiversity and gardens being places for nature and playing an incredibly important part in the whole life of our planet. So welcome, Gary. It's lovely to have you back. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this one. Good. So today, Gary and I are going to chat about the year that we're in, which is the year of the coronation. And obviously, we haven't had those very often. And so we just thought it was just quite an interesting kind of concept to think what we would both sow and grow, because it is this particular year, that kind of remind us of coronation themes, really. And so what we agreed is that we would chat about the red, white, and blue theme. And is there anything that looks beautiful with that that color theme? And then we also thought we'd we'd talk about sort of regal colors, so golds and coppers, and then perhaps sort of really regal velvety blues and purples. And the final thing is the king loves nature and uh, is very, very keen on biodiversity, as we all know, and looking after the environment. And so that is perhaps the first or final theme. So things that really are very, very good in the garden for nature. So Gary, do you want to kick off? What would be the first plant that you would think of introducing into a garden to celebrate the year of the coronation? Let's kick off with the golden theme. So I think there's a really interesting series that we've introduced this year called the Rudbeckia Enchanted series. Oh, yes, lovely. You've trialled them at Perch Hill last year, I know, and you're really fond of them as well. Yeah. And there's a few really good golden varieties within that series, one of which called Nightfall. Yeah. And yeah. I think the main interest behind this plant, yes, it's golden, but as it ages, you get different tones of gold all on one plant. So it's a real spectacle, but up to 50 blooms on one plant at one time, I believe we've counted before. Just because the plant, it, it, it naturally self-branches. So it just keeps producing buds upon buds right the way from, I would, I would say, early summer all the way up to the first frosts. Mm quite easily and nectar rich plants so the king would be positive about that i'm sure yeah i'm sure and uh, really good for picking excellent in a vase very long lasting so i i think that's um a really lovely one to start off the list and they're very quick to flower aren't they they're first year flowering perennials aren't they it is it's one of the main features is, is their vigor you can take a small plug in early may and by mid-june you'll have a huge pot full two three litre plant which is great for a nurseryman but also great for in the garden as well because they've got that energy in them to keep producing throughout the whole year yeah they aren't entirely hardy so i wouldn't class them as a true perennial okay but they're a rudbeckia herta right so 
in the wild, they'd be seen as more of a biennial or triennial. Even you'll keep getting flowers for the for three years and then they slowly die out then. But the amount of bloom that you get out of them within that period, it's well worth the effort. Very good. That's such a, a nice one to start on. So I'd like to do one now and very obvious, I'm afraid. But last year, we put together a collection very, very much for pollinators, um, for butterflies and for bees. And I actually then named that the Coronation Dahlia Collection for pollinators, because it just seems to me that with the king being so keen on nature, it, it just suits, would suit him perfectly. And I can really see this in Highgrove. We have it here. It includes the anemone flowered varieties like Blue Bayou and Dad's Favourite, which are famously, famously good for butterflies. But also it includes a brand new variety called Liquid Desire, which I'm crazy about, which with Lou Farman, which is also in this collection, are very, very rich in pollen. So not only do they have nectar, they have pollen, but they look fantastic together. Very sort of almost cosmos-like, not big, you know, blousy, curvy, double dahlias, but all singles or collarettes or anemone flowered varieties, really rich in nectar, really rich in pollen, really beautiful, fantastic as cup flowers, fantastic in the border, fantastic in a pot. So I think the Rebecca's and the dahlias are a cracking place to start. Over to you. Where should we go next? On to red, white and blue? Yeah, I think go on it, then. It's, uh, it, it's a challenging <laughs> design, I think, of bringing those colours together. But I, I think we can look at it in a, in a, in a mixed border way. And so there's, there's other colours in there. But if we start to think about Highgrove and what Charles really loved there, and I, I've looked at many a picture and you always see the towering blooms of delphiniums and lupins. So he's really obviously keen on those uh, quite dramatic minaret blooms which protrude out of a border and give you that height and, and drama so I, I've, I've looked at our range and I think we've got uh, Lupin Noble Maiden which is a white and we've got the Delphinium Border Collection which is the Pacific series so you've got Black Night and Summer Skies giving you your two tones of blue yeah and then even perfect we've got the new Delphinium Red Lark which mm. could bring that red theme into it as well and what a good it's a different idea. height to the other delphiniums but it, it, they would all really work in quite a nice sort of variance of height within a border as well i feel and uh, yeah it'd be like a, a mini high grove collection well that's a really nice idea and and actually i know having been to high grove a couple of times to look around the garden and i've, I've been very lucky to be shown around by the head gardener and I know that even in the bits immediately around the house, particularly there's a there's a delphinium collection, and and I believe he our new king absolutely loves delphinium. So I think that's an, that's a really cracking choice. Uh, would be very appropriate. I, I want to take that opposite in a way because one of the things that I loved about Highgrove is the wall garden and the sort of wildflower meadow aspect of it. And I wondered about choosing our ultimate flower meadow mix, which is actually not perennial wildflowers, but annuals. But it, it comes up, it's just such a lovely collection of annuals that starts with cornflowers and things like ami, and then the corn poppy. So that's red, white, and blue, but it's so ethereal. It's not sort of jammed together. It's, it's really sort of wafty and meadow-like. And then you go through into a succession with the cosmos coming with pinks and sort of a carmen reds and, and whites so that it continues. And so it's not just like a cornflower, cornfield mix, which would be over 
in June and perhaps July, because the cosmos and some more half-hardy annuals come in, it actually extends and will flower right the way through into the autumn. And we trialled that here 10 years ago and then did it again last year. And we found that what we did is we hoed off any of the weed seed and then we scattered quite deep sand over the soil to suppress any further weed seed germination. And we actually sowed the mix straight into that in a noughts and crosses grid. So we literally uh, drew into the sand 30 centimetres apart a noughts and crosses grid and then very sparsely sowed the seed into that grid. And what you find is when the seedlings come up, you can then tell what are your seeds and what are your weeds, because in the lines, in the knots and crosses are what you've sown. And in between are knots, you can hoe those off with a hand hoe really quickly and easily. But very quickly, the lines merge into a completely solid and continual wafting block. And I just find, you know, if you've got an area that you're not quite sure what to do with, or perhaps even just a, a pot or a series of pots, these are quick because they're annuals. And so the ultimate flower meadow mix, I think, would be a really cracking thing for the year of the coronation. I agree. I think it's going to appeal to a lot of people. We always get asked by customers about direct sowing, that easy, quick to achieve blooms in the first year. And this fits all all those requests, really. Yeah. Um, if you've got a bare patch of ground that you don't quite know what to do with, then to sow this nice and quickly this spring, and it'll give you that flower performance throughout the whole summer, I'm sure. I mean... The earliest flowers, what, what sort of month do you think it would really start to bloom for people? Oh, said, I mean... Cornflowers probably the earliest? Yes, and I think probably not quite by the 6th of May, which is the day of the coronation, if you sowed it in the next week or two, but not not far after. So I think definitely by, by early June you'd start getting flowers and it would carry on until October with the cosmos. Really suits new gardens, doesn't it? Yeah. What would be your next one? um next one uh going back to last summer i was thinking about the the weather that we we had and obviously it was quite dry very hot and a lot of people struggled with their gardens i'm sure but one of the plants that really stood out for me were pelagoniums yes um, it was really ideal conditions for them and i think a lot of people are remembering that this year because we're seeing certainly a heightened in interest in in the pelagonium range so if we get a repeat this year, I think we'll see uh, that that trend continue for sure. So I've picked out two pelagoniums, uh, a white and a red. There's the zonal pelagonium called Trend Lassie White, which is a, a bright flowering. And then the ivy leaf pelagonium called Moon Flare Burgundy. So compare them together, ideal for a window box or something, so you can get the, the trailing and the upright flowers and a nice patriotic display of red and white flowers. And one that you don't have to worry too much about on the watering side of things. And I think May, perfect time to be planting them out, isn't it? Pelagoniums, really. They're, they're going to start flowering after the period again and give you flowers all the way through summer and into autumn. But that's the time if you want to be out doing some gardening, if you want to be putting your pelagoniums out mid-May, I would have thought. Yeah, great, great. Love, love the feeling of those. And again, for the sort of wall garden feeling of high growth, I remember being really struck by their use of hazel and natural coppice materials all the way through for their arches and running right the way. Uh, I think it was from east to west rather than north to south. They had a colonnade when I was there of these hazel arches with willow tops completely covered with sweet peas. So I've chosen a couple of sweet peas or perhaps three sweet peas 
that I feel are kind of relevant to the whole Highgrove King Charles theme. And the first one is Princess Elizabeth, which is a sort of corally, pinky, soft colour, which is rather fashionable at the moment. That sort of gentle, peachy, you know, rather sentimental colour in a way. And I know a lot of people feel very sentimental and sad still about our Queen. And so I felt that was a nice one to choose. And then very kind of royal blue and regal. I'm crazy about blue velvet, which is just so unusual in the sweet peas and that it flowers not just in June and into July, but right into September. And so we actually grow it here as a border plant on a teepee made from hazel, but it could be on an arch like they have at Highgrove. And it's long enough performing that it'll outbeat a clematis. So, you know, if you think of planting a clematis on your on your arches, then why not think of perhaps intermingling one of these sweet peas uh, that is slightly reminiscent and sort of brings ideas and memories of the royal family. So those would be my two winners. And of course, you'd have to put Machicana in there as well, which has got, it's a bicolor, purple and burgundy, or sort of bluey purple and burgundy. So again, rather rich and regal in its feel again rather velvety and with an absolutely incredible fragrance so those would be my next starter for 10 for the coronation year over to you gary uh, you mentioned clematis there that's probably leading me nicely into my next one is clematis blue river now it's not a purple obviously but i thought we'd best mention clematis because it's been quite a tradition where we have a royalty inspired clematis names and prince charles is definitely one of our favorites and it's always been a Yes. amongst the customers as well we've got princess kate in there as well amongst others but blue river is very similar to prince charles and i've noticed that there's a big trend this year people buying into blue river rather than prince charles so i thought i'd raise ah. it here as well because it's worth talking about it. it's a very similar color flower but blue river is special in the way that it's been produced specifically for cutting and cutting clematis is probably quite new to a lot of people yeah uh, but this one it doesn't climb it rambles so it doesn't have the tendrils and it makes it ideal for cutting and it's very similar to prince charles like i say so i think it's worth probably mentioning it for people if they did want that clematis to you can go up a support still i say it doesn't climb it does ramble through but you can still tie it into things and let it go up through rambling through the sweet peas for sure that's such a nice idea and do you know one of the people I've just been chatting to on the podcast over a recent episode is, is Rachel Siegfried, who's got a new book out on growing perennials and woody plants for picking. And she highlighted Blue River. And I was so pleased that she highlighted it because it was in our trial last year here. And we were blown away by it for its length of flowering. And again, you know, I think of clematis as flowering for two months max. But, I mean, we certainly started picking Blue River for vases here, trailing down the sides. I, I mean, I think May, but certainly June. And we were still picking it for a photo shoot with Jonathan here in August. And it, and it went right the way on into the early autumn. So I'm crazy about it. We've got it growing over those lovely metal little sort of almost like fences here, which uh, we sell online, actually. But they're very delicate and they're perfect for supporting these herbaceous, non-climbing clematis particularly. And Blue River has has won in the trial here. So it's absolutely top-notch, I'd say. So I, I'm going to choose two final ones and then back over to you, Gary, to wrap up. But my next two are both golden. So we're returning to the golden theme. 
which Gary started off with, with the Rebecchias. And these are two of my very, very favorite plants. So regardless of whether we're in the year of the coronation, um, I would passionately recommend, well, I mean, we're passionately recommending all of these. Uh, we haven't chosen any, any non-beauties. But Casmanthium latifolium, or the northern oats grass, is a plant that I'm completely obsessed by. And I use it for its golden uh, coloring for the Christmas table because it is literally, it feels like gold. And sometimes I even give it an extra bit of burnish of a little bit of gold spray or dip it in gold paint. And it's like a, a completely flattened, uh, the most beautiful flattened corn sheath. I mean, head of oats or corn uh, that's been run over by a tractor. <laughs> but it's absolutely the most elegant thing, almost sort of uh, like a, you know, it's quite large. So it's like a sort of 10p piece um, individual floret. And there are maybe 20 of them on, on the whole stem. And they're just so elegant. They dry fantastically. I've actually got them in our downstairs loo here. Uh, just a big vase of them because, of course, they last forever. But they've got this beautiful golden hue and wonderful, very architectural shape. Perennial grass, easy to grow from seed. Takes a while, might take five months to germinate or so, but it's so worth growing. And we use it for flowering all the time. And it's very regal. It's like a sort of, it's like a crown and it's golden architecture and coloring. And my final one would be a similar golden plant, which I'm crazy about, which is literally like a crown, and it's called Bupleurum Bronze Beauty. And the individual flowers look literally like a, a sort of jagged-topped crown in gold or copper, and it self-seeds gently here through the farmhouse garden. Uh, we planted it first about 10 years ago. My parents also grew it in their garden, so it's been around for ages. And I couldn't more recommend it. It grows in sun or dappled shade, incredibly elegant foliage plant for arrangements and very, very regal in its air, but delicate with it. And so I would say very, very like our King Charles and a wonderful plant uh, that I would passionately recommend for any gardener who likes herbaceous perennials, but also any florist. So your final ones, Gary? My final one is Nemesia. Now, we've spoken yeah. about plenty now, which unfortunately won't be in flower in time for the coronation, but it's time to plant them almost. But I think with the Nemesia, it's one of the few that we grow as an annual or even perennial these days. Mm. Uh, mm. You, you can guarantee you're going to get flowers in May on it and you can go quite early with the planting out in April. They're a hardier type now as well. They're, the, the breeding coming through from the original South African Nemesia has moved on so much that a lot of the new varieties are starting to be classed as tender perennial. So yeah. with a bit of uh, protection of the winter in the southern areas of the country, you could even class them as perennial. But there's one in particular that I've looked at and I thought it looks really regal to me. It's the Nemesia Sunmesia Tropical. Mm. And I think you've described it as well as having that Campari red sort of flower to it with, with, the, with the flecks of orange through it. And um, it's a very rich looking Nemesia and one which if you planted it on mass, I can imagine it would look really great at that time of year yeah yeah and i'm crazy about the one that you introduced to us called lady anne isn't it called which is which is sort of regal i mean like navy blue but with a purple nose and that honestly flowered as you say from certainly late april early may right the way through until the autumn so well into september we had it in pots on the wellhead here and i'm just writing a new book about pots actually 
And uh, I've said it was in my absolutely definitely in my top 10 container plants last summer. I just completely was obsessed by it. We had it in our leaf planters and just so simply, just on its own en masse, um, several, three or four pots of it, uh, it, it just outperformed almost everything else. So that's a really good plant to finish on, I'd say. So those are ideas for all of you to grow for this year, 2023, for our king and for our parties. And I guess we're probably going to have them not just on the 6th of May, but all the way through the summer. So I hope it's going to be lovely weather and a year for garden parties. Thank you, Gary, for joining us. And I hope you'll join us again very soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to Grow Cookie to Range and to Gary and I chatting about coronation plants, things that you might plant in your garden that will allow you to remember this year of 2023. Next week, I'm joined by another returning guest, Josie Lewis, our head gardener. And we're going to return to our 12 best series and select our 12 favorite, slightly unusual things for shade. Oh gosh, there are so many, but these are our favorites anyway. So I hope you'll tune in and listen. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes we talk about on this podcast by heading to the show notes or at sarahraven.com forward slash podcast.